Now, if you remember a couple weeks ago, had a little bit more despondent of a Sunday two weeks out, and I had noticed that John declares in the prologue that no one has seen God. And part of the reason why that was so striking to me and I felt was a worthwhile conversation on Sunday is that at times we all can feel like God is a little inaccessible. But almost immediately after John says this, he follows up by saying that it is through Jesus that God is made known. So through this epiphany season, this random ordinary time, you know, we're away from white and now we're back in green, the colors of ordinary time, a sort of time when we are reflecting on what it is like to live every single day in God's commonwealth. We're going to focus on learning about God's character through Jesus as it is revealed to us. Oftentimes, instead of just ordinary time right now, we call it epiphany tide, the time after epiphany. Epiphany being revelation and being revealed and the excitement. So it seems to make sense. We're going to learn a little bit more about how God is revealed through Jesus. And here it all gets started in this season in the book of John. And this does not seem to be a typical entry story into what would become a world-changing ministry. This is a typical wedding feast. Seven days of celebration. Boy, could you imagine if you were the parents of the groom or bride now and you had to do a seven-day wedding feast? You'd be taking out loans at three so hopefully you had enough by the time you hit, uh, hit, you know, your kids being married. So typical wedding feast, nothing really fancy. It's also in a relatively nondescript town. Cana is never mentioned any other time in the scriptures except this moment. It has nothing really to do with much of any of the gospel stories. It's a town about four miles northeast of Nazareth. So Jesus and all of his crew didn't have to go very far, consider it a suburb. And it's interesting, too, that the wedding itself is pretty nondescript. We don't even know the names of the bride or the groom. All that we know right now is that Jesus' mother, which, interesting fact, John never mentions Mary by any other name other than Jesus' mother. So Jesus' mother is there, Jesus is there, and the disciples were all invited. So we can imagine that this is somebody of Jesus and his family. This beginning of Jesus' ministry, beginning of Jesus' miracle, happens in the most everyday, non-dramatic milestone of human living. People get married every day. Nothing terribly fancy about it. But Jesus' miracles begin here. And it all begins with a benign acknowledgement of scarcity. Mary just says, you know, Jesus, they're out of wine. There's nothing particularly fancy about that. Just stating the facts as they exist in that moment. And this whole conversation between Mary and Jesus is so fascinating because it is so matter-of-fact. 
We have the benefit of hindsight and can look and say how critical this moment seems, but really between Jesus and Mary, this sounds like, well, did you do your homework yet? Jesus, did you, did you pay the cell phone bill? Jesus, they're out of wine. And it seems like it really doesn't mean a whole lot to Jesus or Mary. And when you think about it, if you were at a wedding and somehow the wine ran out, it's, it's not going to end the world. It's really a low-stakes event here. Except perhaps to the ones that are being married. You could imagine that if this was your wedding feast and you had gone days of celebration and somehow you miscalculated, this might be a little embarrassing at this moment. And as far as we can tell, though, this minor crisis is happening without any of their knowledge. We don't see the bride and groom here. All we see is Jesus and Mary having a conversation somewhere in the back of the room saying, you know, Jesus, they, they, they're out of wine. But Mary never wavers once in her certainty that something will be done about this. Jesus says to the servants, just do whatever Jesus tells you to. And the miracle itself seems pretty benign as well. We have the luxury of seeing death overcome. We have the luxury of seeing what Jesus is going to do in the next few years. But here, it's just some stone jars, 20 or 30 gallons at most. And Jesus has everything that there is filled to the brim. There isn't any sense of calculation John doesn't tell us that they spend the next 20 minutes counting how many folks there were there saying, well, everybody's had a couple glasses of wine now, so if we add, you know, everybody gets a couple more glasses of wine, we really only need two jars full. There's no trying to figure out exactly how much, no concern about what they can afford or what is needed. It just occurs. And what occurs is to the delight of everyone. The chief steward, of course, the head, the Greg McMillan of the wedding feast that day, wow. takes a sip and doesn't seem as though he's uh, disappointed or has any judgment on anybody. Instead, it's one of joyful surprise. You know, most folks... You know, they leave the garbage stuff at the end because no one cares after you've had a few, but you, you brought out the good stuff. And you did it now. The conventions of hospitality itself are reworked for something better than what was expected. And do you notice who gets the credit at the end? It's not Jesus. It's the groom who gets all the credit. The knock-on effect, of course, was that the disciples got to see that Jesus was truly someone special. A benign event. A benign miracle that reveals God's character in full. 
Friends, I'd like to consider this gospel passage today as a kind of break glass in case of emergency type of passage. If you were feeling like I felt two weeks ago and you continue to feel that way, this can be one that you hold close to your heart because the character of the God in this story is the God we know and the God who loves us. In moments of scarcity, it can be just a simple acknowledgement of need. Jesus, the wine's running out. Jesus, I'm tired. Jesus, a lot of stuff is going on. Even it's the most mundane possible thing. Jesus, I'm having a hard time getting out of bed because it's going to be 40 degrees at the end of the day and it's raining now. I kind of want to get going today. And when God responds to us, even in these most mundane, most simple moments, God lavishes us with the very best. There is no backup, secondary, tertiary. It is the first fruits and the best fruits that God lavishes us with, and God provides more than we need. There's no, well, you get one jar and you get four jars. It is more than we need overflowing to the brim. God offers us more than we could ask for and does it in richness. Overcomes what we would see are the regular conventions of how we would receive gifts or offerings or, or blessings. God just gives in full all the time. There is no level except turning it up to 11 when it comes to God giving out what we need. I think this is a way for us to think about doing ministry together. This man here, his name is Bill Strickland. Bill Strickland is the founder and CEO of the Manchester Bidwell Corporation. He's someone who I've had the pleasure to get to know and to hear a couple times. The Manchester Bidwell Corporation combines many seemingly disparate elements, adult career training, youth arts education, jazz presentation, and botanical sales into an entire group that helps change the lives of underserved populations in the north side of Pittsburgh. Manchester Bidwell started when a young, disengaged African-American man met Pittsburgh public high school art teacher Frank Ross. That disaffected young man was Bill Strickland. And Ross mentored Strickland throughout his teenage years and impressed upon him the powers of art, education, and community and helped him obtain entrance to the University of Pittsburgh. Strickland was flunking out of school which is not a too unfamiliar story to folks on the north side of Pittsburgh, a relatively mundane, uneventful part of life in that area. But somebody found abundance in Strickland. And over time, Strickland started to invest back into the north side of Pittsburgh. He started a small ceramics program while he was still in college in 1968. 
created the Manchester's Craftsman's Guild because he admired the European guild system in which masters passed on their skills and knowledge to young apprentices. And now that has expanded, and so today there are other programs like the Youth and Arts Program, which serves public school students on the north side, offering courses in ceramics and design and digital and photography studios, and a jazz program as well that has been performing regularly since 1987. So even in Bill Strickland's life, one that could be relatively benign and germane, especially when we hear the stories over and over and over again of children who drop out and flunk, somebody said, you know, there's not enough wine here, and started to fill the wine jars to the brim. Strickland tells a story all the time when he talks about the Manchester Bidwell Corporation. This is their building. And if you notice right out front, there are these gorgeous tulips. And Strickland says that every day he has his staff go and buy new cut flowers so that all of the, all of the offices everywhere gets to have fresh flowers every single day. Now that sounds great, and it's probably a little expensive, but the reason why he does it, he says, is that all of the students and the youth and the children that walk through Manchester Bidwell Corporation ought to feel like their life is special. Ought to feel like because they are participating in a youth program that helps them grow and to create the skills that will allow them to project themselves out of their circumstances, it shouldn't just be cheap. they should feel like they are lavished upon. Strickland lives like the chief steward and says, listen, most folks, they don't save the good stuff till now. But you put out the best stuff when everybody else would have done the rest. Strickland realizes that in the same way how exciting that is when hospitality is turned on its head, That those who do not have and those who have struggled to have, once they receive abundance over scarcity, something changes in this world. And you know what's funny is he found, Strickland found, that simple flowers, nice flowers, make a huge change for the folks who come in and are served by Manchester Bidwell. What's it like for us as we continue to reshape our own ministries, to think about who we're becoming, to say to ourselves, you know what, we're not just going to limit ourselves to the dregs at the end, but to try to do ministry as God himself does in this moment. What's it like when we have a new building and we have this really gorgeous wedding We have people who are happy to pay significant amount to have this gorgeous building, and every dollar that we give goes back to serving folks who need help. What's it like for the same floors that have Louboutin shoes on a Friday, have bare feet and working working boots on Monday? In equal measure and equal care and equal abundance. Well, friends, I think that's what a good wedding party would look like in the beginning of Jesus' miracles here on earth. And what would it be like 
to be part of a community that says, this is just how we do business here. When everybody else sends out the dregs, we bring out the best because we believe in God's abundance. And certainly, friends, not to ignore that tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. Martin Luther King himself advocated for everyone to receive God's abundance, no matter their creed, no matter their color, no matter the background, no matter the content of their lives. They did not receive the dregs if the society said so, but instead they received full abundance. Friends, as a church, as individuals, what is it like to offer equal measure to all? What is it like to receive it ourselves? I invite you the next time, even if it feels like something mundane, just say matter-of-factly to Jesus. Jesus, my wine is out. And watch for the jars. What would the world look like truly if we offered the best when everybody else offered the dregs? I believe that that is the world that God is revealing through Jesus. Thanks be to God.